Welcome to Coaching DNA Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wyckoff. My guests on this podcast are coaches, athletic directors, sports psychologists, and really anyone else that can add value to leaders. In each episode, we spend time exploring leadership, culture, development, personal growth, and much, much more. The guests are different in many ways, but share profound similarities. They are hungry to get better, they are guided by purpose, and they are driven to develop the people around them. Each episode allows us to dive into what skills, attributes, and giftings make up great leaders. When I'm not doing this podcast, I run Kingdom Coaching. It is my consulting business where I coach coaches. I work with coaches one-on-one, I work with coaching staffs, as well as run online cohorts. Additionally, I write a weekly email newsletter to resource coaches with tools and strategies to be better leaders and coaches. To find out more, visit my website at kingdomcoachingtw.com and please check me out on Twitter at kingdomcoachtw or at coaching underscore DNA and give me a follow. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Cam Neubauer. Cam is the University of Florida women's head basketball coach. During part two of our conversation, we talk about the difference between a power five job and other jobs that he's had, the areas he has had to grow in over the years, the importance of aligning motives between coach and athletes, and much, much more. As with part one, uh, in this part two, you will see more of Cam's authenticity and his humility, just a, a uh, awesome guy, uh, very humble, very forthright, um, super transparent. And uh, again, I think you'll learn a lot from this episode. So without further ado, my conversation with Cam Neubauer. What's the difference between, and, and I'm, this is very general, I'm not talking specifics, a, a place like Belmont, which people would label that a mid-major, and a place like Florida. You know, you, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, at Belmont, we wanted a very specific type of player. And there's a lot more of them, right? Mm. With not as many schools that wanted what I wanted, you know, because I, I, the way we played and the way we did things. Now you get to this level and there's only so many of the best of the best players that can really compete at this level. So, and you've got, you know, so many more schools that want that exact type and you're competing against the best of the best for those players. So, so I, I said the wrong way at Belmont, you had more players with less, less people that wanted that specific type you wanted. Yeah. Now you got a smaller field of players that are capable at this level with so many more people in the BCS level that really want them, you know, it, it's, it's, that was hard to figure out. And so I had to kind of change some of my philosophy a little bit, but also had to um, make sure we, we were recruiting the right way for finding the people that fit us and we could develop the right way. And we've done that. Um, but also just, um, you know, we recruit at this level, such a younger age, you've got to build those relationships so much younger. Cause that's what everybody's doing. That's, that's, the nature of the, of the business now, yeah. as at the lower level, it's not the same. 
because, you know, at that level, it can be hard because if a kid blows up early on, you're not going to have any chance. Right. You know, whereas us, if they're already good as eighth, ninth graders, you're on them. And so you're recruiting a, a, a bigger breadth of people. You're managing more. Um, for me, speaking of managing, um, at Belmont, I had a three assistant, three assistants and one GA, and they shared an office. So I walked into that room, communicated with them all at the same time. It was easy. Yeah. Now you've got 11 or 12 people under you spread throughout uh, a building. And there's so much more you have to communicate. There's so many more people doing other jobs. So keeping everybody on the same page is harder to do. Um, and that just comes with the territory, you know, that's uh, resources. You're managing a much larger budget. Your, your appearance of who you are is a much larger scale. The, the self-imposed pressure, yep. like it's just the pressure you get being in this league of wanting to be successful because I, I, I do have an ego naturally and I do want to be great. And so how do you balance that with making sure that you're prioritizing the right things? And how do you just balance yourself to make sure that you're able to give your best every day through how you manage yourself? Yeah. So, so many things. And, oh, and, and the job never stops. Never stops. Yep. That's really good. Thanks for sharing that. Other than the relinquishing control, uh, could you share maybe some of the other areas that where you feel like you look now and you look back to your first year at Florida and have seen growth. What are other areas where you're like, and, and you kind of mentioned recruiting, you had to, you had to kind of change a little bit how you were doing recruiting. It sounded like, yeah. What other areas have you grown over the last several years? Well, I'll just say the last eight years as a head coach, um, understanding the process and how much time it takes, mm-hmm. understanding that, what I say isn't always, you know, when I use a word, it might not mean the same thing it means to you. Yeah. So listening more to your players, um, mm. not getting is not taking things as personal. You know, I remember there's, it still happens sometimes where if I, if I spend a lot of time with the player teaching them something, if they can't do it, sometimes I'll be like, they're just not doing it because they don't like me or they don't want to do it. And that's not the case, but, but my ego and my, my um, insecurity sometimes wants to slide in there and say that. And I think I had a lot of that as a head coach early and I took things super personal and I was um, my, my, my vision of coaching then was my jobs to make you better, not just to love and serve you. My jobs to help you become the best player you can be. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job hmm. when that's not what every kid wants. That's not what every young lady wanted. That's what I wanted. And so how do you become more in tune and make it more a collaboration where now um you can motivate them through what they really want to become, not just winning games. And that, that bothered me for a while, but that was my own fault. It wasn't our players' faults. And I think, um, you know, that, that, that made it harder. And, and um, that, that it, it took a lot to notice that. And, and I, I wasn't proud. I'm not proud of that, but I'm glad that I realized it because I think even as a father now, I have to learn from that because you, you always hear about, you want to love people and what they do. I want to support my children and what they do and help them be great at that. It's yeah. the same with our players. If our players don't want to play in the WNBA, but they want to be a doctor or teacher, well, how do I use basketball as the platform to help show them how those tools and skills they're learning through that is going to help them be a great teacher or doctor, not just the best player so that we can win games. Mm. And that's that constant tug of war 
in your own mind as a coach at this level that you got to pull away from because we got to accept them for who they are and help them live and chase those dreams, not just on the basketball court. Yeah, it's so good. Talk to me about your your the values in your program or for like a better term, the culture. What are the values of Florida women's basketball? Well, I think a lot of our values stem from um, who we are as people, as a culture. Um, communication's huge. Energy is huge. Um, and attitude and effort. You know, I just think if you, if we don't communicate, it's going to make problems much harder. You know, if, if the world would communicate, it would solve all the world's problems and be transparent with your communication. Say what you mean, mean what you say and have tough conversations when you have to have them. Don't let them linger. Um, energy, you've got to have energy with everything you do because it's hard at this level. Life gets harder the older you get. And if you don't have energy and belief that you're going to give it your best, then what happens? And both of those bleed, bleed into attitude and effort. Um, you've got to be next play mentality. And if you have, have the next play mentality that your expectation is, I'm going to give it everything I have with the best attitude and effort, then good things are going to happen. If I don't have a next play mentality and I'm still sitting back on what happened, my attitude and effort is going to be lagging because my attitude is stuck in the past and my effort is there as well. And so now how do I put my best foot forward to learn from what happened? And that's a challenge as well to do that. And if you can't do that, then you're, you're, you're really cheating yourself first, which is going to cheat your teammates, which is going to cheat the whole program. Yeah. And the biggest thing we talk about is we over me, a large capital W E with a line and a small M E. Because when you're in those personal battles, if you can pour into other people, if you can encourage someone else, if you can help someone else, you're going to hear the words that you speak to someone else, which are what you need to hear. You're going to encourage and uplift other people, which is going to bring you out of your own time, your own personal hell, because you don't have time to think about yourself anymore, that you're investing in others and you're going to pull yourself up. And so that's why we always say when you're in those in that worst possible spot, take it off yourself pour into others. And then if we all do that with each other, we're going to lift each other up. Now, Travis, that ain't easy. It's never easy, but that's why we always say, is it about me or is it about we? That's good. Okay. Uh, I want to talk leadership development. Um, what's that look like in your, in your program? Do you guys do captains? Do you have a, a council? Do you do team-wide leadership? What's that look like? We do different things. Um, I try to spend a lot of time you know, leadership to me, Travis, is it's an ongoing process where everybody plays a part. Mm. And I think if you if you only pinpoint a couple people, then others might think they're absolved from any action or behavior. So rather than talking leadership, we talk influencers. What are you going to influence? Because in the past, I've sat with players and I said, leadership, what do you think? And they say, the best, pressure. You got to do everything right all the time. And so they, they have this misconception sometimes that to lead, you've got to be perfect and that I can't say something to them if I'm not doing it right. right. And to me, it's got to be more about influencing and with leadership. Like, I don't think it's right to ask your best player to be the scorer, the encourager, the one that chews tail, the one that has to create energy, the one that has to make sure everyone's doing this right. So I think the more you can get your whole team to have parts that different people are good at. Now more people are invested and they, you have more influencers. You don't have people that stand back to the side and be like, well, hey, she's in charge of that. That's it's not my fault. And now all of a sudden, you know, kids these days, this generation, they want to all be part of it. 
They want autonomy. They want mastery. They want um, to be motivated through them being part of it. And so if you can include more people, um, it, it might be harder, but all of a sudden you never know when you're going to have that one person at that one time that says something because they've been empowered through another area. And maybe that's not their strength to be in front of everybody, but they do it, you know, in the locker room or in practice to where it impacts the other people. And so I think it has to be a group effort and it's ongoing Yeah, because you've got to empower everybody. If it's, it's like, I don't like putting people in a box with roles because then if you think I can only do this, then how are you ever going to be more than your role? If, if your job is to only score eight points in a game or, or you're not, you don't get to shoot, then once you score 10 and you know it, what, what are you saying to yourself? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think we just want to work on everything, know what your strengths are, but never be shocked if you become more because you've worked on that. Really it's the same sort of, sort of thing with leadership. I've just, that word leadership sometimes I think can freeze people because in our society, leadership is, is this hierarchy almost. Yeah. Aaron Mansfield, the volleyball coach at Loyola Marymount, um, had his, all his girls close their eyes. And he said, I want you to, I want you to, um, visualize or think through when I say this statement, I want, I want to know what the initial instinct is that you had. And he said, so he had him close their eyes and he says, leadership. And then they all opened their eyes and they went around the room. What, what stirred up? What did you see? What did you think when I said leadership and, and almost to a woman, they talked about something about like standing in front of a room talking or standing on a platform, you know, talking to people. And so he's, he had that aha moment of like, well, if leadership is just standing in front of the team, giving a rah-rah speech, um, there's 95% of our, our girls are like, I'm out. I'm not doing that. So kind of to your point, he tried to wipe away the, the um, I guess, the reputation of what a leader is. It's the one that is the best player who gets after them in the weight room when they're not working hard and gets up in front of them at halftime when they're down 10 or, you know, whatever. He tried to wipe that away and say, there's different ways to, to, to lead, or to your point, there's different ways to influence this team, which same, same thing you're saying. And, and the other problem, Travis, is, is if you only pinpoint a couples and the others aren't part of it, like, how are they going to feel like, like we're not as special as them? We're not cared for. You're not going to, you know, you're going to get value where you pour in value. Yep. And so you want to cultivate this culture of leadership and this culture of influencers. you got to give everybody an opportunity and you've got to have conversations with them to see, you know, where they are and what they want to do and also pour into them, you know? Yeah. So let me ask this kind of on, on that note. Um, obviously you're, you're looking at the landscape of your team every year and you have an idea of like, well, this person seems to kind of be in this role or this person seems to be kind of filling this role of, of influence or leadership in those moments. Then are you keenly aware of like, I need to pull her aside because she, let's say she's our energy giver or I need to pull her aside just to, to encourage her because I feel like it's a little bit sloppy and she has the the biggest voice. Maybe, maybe her leadership is that little more like, Hey, let's go. The, the kind of hammer, you know, the person that drops a hammer, obviously you're, you're looking at all of your athletes and what role they can fill, but do you consistently catch yourself pulling people aside to say, Hey, I want to encourage you to address this. Or can you talk to her? Can you talk to this group? Not consistently enough. Hmm. You know, that's the hard part because uh, the easy part is just to have one person that can do it all, but then you realize you're overloading them. And so, you know, you got to find those, you got to have certain mechanisms to remind you, Hmm. you know, and and one other thing we do that's, that's kind of opposite of what I've said, 
but it goes along with it is each day we have a captain, different captain every day at practice. So now if starts stuff starts going well and we say, look, we need a timeout, you guys get them together, but that person's in charge of getting them together and, you know, saying whatever they say when they break. And maybe they're not the one that always talks, but that's who we're going to come to that day and things aren't going right. And so it, it does put them in sometimes in an uncomfortable situation for the ones that don't like to do that. Yeah. But it gives them all the opportunity where now you're all having that chance to where you can be it. But what's cool is how they can learn and notice that right, I might be in charge today, but guys, I don't know what's going on. And then someone else speaks up. So it builds it to where now I'm maybe that person's the captain today, but everybody else still has a voice too. And so it's, it's, you know, you get a bunch of different things from that, but that's one area I am trying to be better at is how do I make sure that I'm continuing to empower that person in that area that we want to really be the influencer in. And, you know, this is something I've, I've a couple of years ago, I came up with and it's, uh, have you read the captain class by yep. Sam Walker? Yep. Sam's the one that I got to know Sam and I've spent time with him and he's the one that really molded this idea of, of the multiple leaders and, and multiple traits that leaders need to have, as opposed to just one person being the one. And, and so that's, I, I tried to steal that from him and use that. Yeah. Intangibles, that book will address that as well. Kind of the, I think she has six or seven archetypes of, of leaders. So yeah. Okay. I end with three questions. First one is what are you currently reading or listening to that's kind of helping you stay sharp and helping you grow? Well, I, I wish I could do more podcasts, but man, I'm so ADD that I'm all over the place when I'm listening to those. So uh, right now, a couple of books, uh, Bill Walsh book, The Score Takes Care of Itself. Um, I read The Gridiron Genius and love that. And then uh, another author, I know Ryan Holiday, who's amazing. He, he told me I need to get this and really, really like this and like learning about Bill Walsh. And then uh, a self-help book, Christian book, Four Pillars. Um, this book's been amazing for me, just how to be uh, the right man, you know, whether it be in my household, Who wrote in the community that? with my, um, this is by Stu Weber, Stu okay. Weber, four pillars of a man's heart, just trying to um, be a real man, you know, not what society thinks a man needs to be, but just being a real man as a, as a husband, as a father, as a, a coach, as a friend. Um, and so those, those are two books right now that have been pretty impactful. And one thing I'm trying to do too, is I'm trying to go slower through books. Now I used to be in a race to get as many done. And I found that I wasn't getting as much value as those as I should be. So trying to maybe slow down a little more and take more notes. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, the book, the four pillars book, really intriguing, uh, had not heard of it. What is like, what are some things that have crystallized for you as you're reading that book? You know, it just, uh, it's just got a bunch of biblical stories in it. And it talks about, you know, it's, it's as, as, as a Christian man, I want to try to be as, as much as I can for the kingdom and to be Christ-like. And it's, it's so hard. And, you know, this stuck out to me the other day, you know, Jesus was both the lamb of God and the lion of Judah. Mm. So he was soft, but he was also strong and firm as the lion. He knew when to roar and when not to roar. Jesus roared about the right things, always kingdom issues and all in righteousness issues never petty personal frustrations. Too many men just roar when the kids are too noisy or the wife is late or the television is unavailable mm. or there is no merit in roaring unless it's for the right reason. And man, that punched me in the gut. Like as a man, too many times I just roar to roar and I don't understand the implications that has. And I, and, and that's, I think, learn to be a real man that you don't have to roar. You know, you, you can be the, the lamb and it's okay. And that's being a man. And 
so just things like that in that book that so good. kind of punch you in the gut and really make you be like, wow, and, and make you want to strive to be better, um, to just be a better man. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Okay. What advice would you give a young person just getting into the profession? Listen as much as you can um, and keep listening. That's one thing I, I, I talk, talk too much and don't listen enough. And I think looking back, I could have gained so much more wisdom and maturity if I listened more. Um, part of that was thinking I had the answers and not really listening and asking. Um, that's something I wish I would have changed because I think, you know, it's, um, you can learn so many things from so many people by understanding their story and hearing their story and their struggles. We've all got struggles, but if you don't listen to what those are, you don't understand how to reach them, how to add value and how to, how to know who they are and how to care. So I just think listening is, is a skill that um, I'm trying to be more and more of an active listener. And I wish I could, would have been a much better active listener earlier on. Yeah. Amen. It's good. And then I end with this, the last question, um, who would you like to hear their story, how they do leadership development in their program? What are their strengths? Learn about their culture. Well, Bill, Bill Walsh, and yeah. he's not, that's when I'm reading some of his books because, uh, pressed with the way he did things, but you know, more present day, um, you know, Eric Spolstra has, has always been intriguing to me because of his path, but also you look what he's done at Miami, even with some of these teams that aren't, you know, the team last year that went to the finals and, and his demeanor, the way he handles himself, carries himself. He's not a front of the line type guy. Um, and he, he's always been intriguing to me to, to just, to know more about him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it, I'm going to, I'm going to probe a little bit more. I'm curious on your campus, university of Florida, what coaches have you learned from there? I'd oh. love to. Yeah. Or I mean, maybe just Thornton, all I mean, of them. Who's the one maybe that most recent or stuck out to you a little bit more here recently? Cause you guys have a great staff. Yeah. You know, you got Becky Burley that just, just retired. Yeah. He's been here forever. I mean, Brian Shelton just won the national championship with men's tennis. He, yeah. he, he'd won as a women's tennis division one head coach. I mean, Roland Thornquist is a good friend of mine. I mean, our men's golf coach. I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's hard because Tim Walton with softball gives you a lot. Mary wise with, with uh, volleyball, Jenny with gymnastics. I mean, it, it's Mike Wyatt across the hall. What we're what we're blessed to have here is everybody. I mean, Mouse, our track coach, just called me while we were sitting here. Mm-hmm. He's the Olympic coach this summer. He's won ten or eleven national championships. Yeah. There's no egos within our group here, and we will help each other out. We will ask for advice. You will call and tell someone like, "Yo, what are you doing, man? You should, you know, what, what were you saying in your press conference? Like, there's accountability, there's care, and it's it's just, you know, I referenced." earlier man I, I never felt like i belonged i'm in this room with these people and i'm like what am i doing here and i'll never forget when Miles told me he said cam you said this twice now and i need to tell you again you're in the room mm. you're here so you're enough and that goes a, went, went a long way for my heart that's good but then the way they treat you and when they show up and when they call and when they answer and they call you back like that's what we try to do for each other because um there's lonely moments there's lonely, lonely moments where 
Um, no one can understand what you're going through except those that have been there, totally. especially on a campus at a university like this. And so having each other's back and that care for each other to be selflessless, selfless enough to encourage others is, is something that I try to, I try to give to them what they give me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Cam, dude, this has been so good. I really, um, yeah, just grateful, super authentic, humble. Yeah. I, when I, when I was, you know, on that call a couple of weeks ago that I had the thought, I got to get this guy on my podcast. And it was the same thing that drew me then that I, that I recognized here, just a, a willingness to share a willingness, um, to be authentic and, and, um, so yeah, dude, thanks. It's been been great. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you and it means a lot. And thank you for what you're doing to just help others learn and um, to steal ideas and, and to grow ourselves because uh, if you're not growing, you know, you're dying. Thanks so much for listening. I'm assuming if you made it this far that you enjoyed the conversation. Would you please leave a review and pass this podcast along to anyone else that you think might enjoy it if you have any suggestions for the show i'm always looking to to grow and to improve the show email me at travis at kingdomcoachingtw.com thanks again for listening until next time have a good one